2021 is starting out just pretty much like 2020 ended, so I don't know if any of us didn't see that coming, but um, we're glad you're here. It's going to be a good night. We have, um, to start off the new year, actually, we have an interview, so Ben, I'll let you set up um, who this gentleman is this evening. So we've uh, talked uh, ad nauseum uh, through the years about the, um, what would you call it, inability uh, of our associations in planting new churches and things of that nature. It's been a almost 30-year uh, drought of us as, a, as an association within our state of getting any new church plants. So about uh, five or six, seven years ago, our national work planted one in Nixa, and that would take a long, long time to explain all of that. Uh, but they are, they are doing pretty good. And so we praise God for that. But uh, I got a call about three months ago uh, from the uh, North America Director of Missions, Larry Barker, and he said we're hoping to plant a fella, a Hispanic-speaking, um, Spanish-speaking in St. Louis. And he said, I want you guys on board before we send him to you type thing. And so... Uh, that started the ball rolling. His name is Juan Fernandez. We met him, I would say, late October um, at a restaurant, and uh, both committees of the Merrimack and the State Association talked with him about hiring him and the such. Really, really neat guy, uh, him and his wife. Um, and so uh, she's English-speaking. Uh, he's bilingual. Uh, he's teaching her how to speak Spanish she's doing very well and so they're very much a, a team two beautiful daughters and so they have joined Bethany Baptist Church in St. Louis Bethany is a struggling uh, white congregation in a very heavily minority area now in St. Louis area and uh, there's a pretty large Hispanic uh, population there so they got together, and uh, it's called, uh, well, Bethany, and it's pretty close to uh, Ferguson and Florissant area. Um, and so uh, he's joined the church, and he's going to have a Spanish-speaking congregation downstairs while they're having their English-speaking uh, congregation upstairs on a Sunday morning. So a lot, a lot of good stuff happening. So last night was the uh, state missionary committee meeting where we officially voted to support him uh, to the tune of $28,000 a year. That's the state side. The Merrimack is going to give $20,000 a year, and the national work gives a $2,000 a month stipend. And so basically puts him in middle class, uh, maybe a high middle class type deal. Uh, and, that, and that's obviously, you know, we, we want our missionaries to be able to not worry about their finances of course, he's you know, in a reasonably high uh, income area, meaning uh, cost of living. So we're going to give him a call, and uh, hopefully and prayerfully he'll answer. And we, we're just going to ask him to give us his vision. Uh, and, of course, it's saying that I don't have his number, but I know I do. Hmm. So uh, here we go. Voice call. Hello. Brother Juan. Yes. How are you, brother? Doing wonderful. 
so we've got uh, on our panel, uh, and again, this is not a radio program, but we pretend like it is. And uh, this is uh, Tara uh, to my right, uh, Tara Yerke, forgot your last name. And then we got Gavin Hooks to my left and Tom Nays to my left. We will be the ones asking questions and such. And we've got uh, a plethora of people here in the audience, and this will be going out uh, on uh, the you know web and such of that nature. So welcome to Bethel Radio Hour, and uh, we just want to talk. I've kind of set it up with the folks that are here, what all happened last night, and kind of the history of how we got together. But now I would just like for you to introduce yourself, your family, uh, your ministry, your vision, all that neat stuff. Okay, wonderful. Hi, each one of you. Welcome, uh, thanks for welcoming and uh, and that's very special uh, time to share with you. It's a privilege. I I've been I met Brother Ben <laughs> in person. Uh, I don't know what the other people look like, but uh, I'm pretty sure. So. Very M- handsome, M- tall, much better than I do. <laughs> well, uh, my professor in the seminary he always says some of you uh, haven't found your talent, but some of you are. Have a good face and voice for the radio. We all have faces for the radio. Closer to the mark there. So well, yeah, I I enjoy laughing. I enjoy I enjoy a lot our uh, our faith in Christ gives us always peace and joy and and uh, and uh, just taking care of each other. I think that's the reason that we exist to take care of each other and. The way Christ did for us, and um, uh, my name is Juan Juan Fernandez uh, J U A N. Many people spell O N E when they write my name, so it's like one. So they say, I'm, <laughs> so I can tell you I'm the one, and they laugh. But uh, one and uh, sorry, I couldn't help it. But um, my phone actually corrects every time I spell J U A N. It corrects it to O N E. Yeah, I I have to be very careful when I'm when I'm trying to use the the, the texting on my phone. <laughs> but um, um, well, I have a, a wife. My wife is uh, Hannah. She she definitely has a, a face for the TV. She can be on TV. <laughs> you scored good, good points there, good buddy. Man. Good man. Yeah, is uh, my parents call. She? <laughs> She's in the room, isn't she? Is she, is she in the room one? Oh, she was really nervous to show up, so she said, I'll be downstairs if you need me. <laughs> she clearly don't know who we are. So. But I have met your wife, and I would agree with your statement. Thank you. I appreciate that, brother. You have two beautiful children also? Yeah, Victoria, she's four, and Eleanor is two. They are uh, also downstairs, and uh, they're really excited about being everywhere now. Every time we go out, they think they're going to go to church. So that's the only place that we've been going lately. And they love that. They love going to church. They just stop, take up the stage and want to sing Jesus songs. So. Amen. <laughs> but, um, yeah, my wife and the two girls. And uh, I was born in Reynosa, Mexico. Uh, it's a, uh, I mean, I was born in Saltillo, but grew up in Reynosa, Mexico. Uh, my dad is a pastor. My mom and my dad have been pastors for almost 48 years in a full-time ministry. Um, I grew up in, the, in the, being a preacher's kid. Uh, grew up in a lot of camps, summer camps, evangelistic campaigns, prayer meetings, you name it. 
So, uh, but it was until uh, until I became a teenager that I understand I need to have a relationship with Jesus, and it's because uh, I wanted to be a a soccer player. So I remember I always wanted to be playing soccer, and that was a reason for not to go to church on Sundays. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's uh, interesting. Yeah, I I skipped couple Sunday school classes and uh, my dad didn't know because he was uh, teaching other classes and the only one who found out was my Sunday school class teacher my Sunday school class that now uh, he is my brother-in-law and um, he told me once hey why don't you come to the to the service to the class and I said well I got something more important <laughs> mm. uh -oh. and so he confronted me and he said well you know you're not even either warm you're lukewarm, so you had to make up your mind. And um, that Sunday, we had a, that was very, the very specific Sunday, I remember, it was uh, a final tournament. Uh, we had a very important tournament that we were supposed to play from uh, 8 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night. Mm. And I was excited because that was our major tournament. And um, my the goalie, his name was Andres, he told me, hey, I know you go to church. Um, you know, I don't feel like going to play today. I feel like I need to to t make things right with God. And uh, why don't we just go to your church and we talk to about your, your God. And, and he tried to convince me not to play that day because he felt like he needed to get things right with God. And I was only, what, 17, 18 years old. And I said, well, this is more fun. Uh, we've been preparing for this. We've been going through a lot. To make a short story, uh, Andres passed away the next Wednesday after that that soccer game. And uh, when I talked to his dad, uh, Mr. Noe, I said, um, I'm so sorry about the, the loss of your son and blah, blah, blah. He's like, well, just so you know, I don't know why, but he wanted to go to your church that Sunday. He didn't want to play soccer. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Apparently, he had a disease that he couldn't be in the sun for so long, and uh, his his blood uh, like got stuck on his veins. So he had a horrible death, and God called my attention with his death, and I said, um, "This is not a. This needs to change." So ever since then, I started going. I changed my my goals to become a, a soccer player. I became. I wanted to go to seminary. I wanted to be trained to tell people about Jesus and. Uh, that's been that's been my my uh, my mission ever since then. I don't want anybody to go to go to eternity without knowing and trusting Jesus for their salvation. Mm -hmm. I mean, soccer is fun. Don't don't get me wrong. I don't think there's a reason to be bitter or angry about it. I enjoy. It. I still enjoy it a lot. But it shouldn't be my. It wasn't supposed to. I mean, I I don't know how to explain. It wasn't. It shouldn't be my priority, you know. Amen. You know, so we call uh, it. I'm sorry. I, we call it the 10 million year perspective. That in 10 oh, million okay. years, soccer's not going to matter, but salvation obviously will and does. Yeah, the the whole reason is that I I thought about FIFA being like the biggest thing to belong to, you know, the famous uh, world organization. And I thought, well, if I want to be famous, I want to be famous through uh, an association that, you know does this soccer you know activities so and that sense of belonging to something something bigger than you you know and being exposed to a, 
a lot of money and a lot of fame, you know, fortune and all that stuff. Uh, that went through the garbage that day that Andres passed away. I mean, when I realized that his dad told me, when his dad told me he wanted to talk to you, he wanted to go to the church, and for some reason, he uh, he was very upset that you didn't take him with take, with you. That broke my heart. So, yeah, Andres went to be uh, in eternity. I, I don't know if you had a, I don't know if I get to see him again in heaven, but uh, that was a big big calling attention for for my vision to change, for my goal to change, for everything to change. So, amen. Um, that's good stuff. Tell us about yeah. uh, tell us about your hopes and goals and dreams for uh, the. Next. So, what actual city is Bethany Church in? Um, it's there's a couple like it's uh, you know the airport. It's um, Saint Anne. Okay. Is the name of the of the city, but then we have Overland. Right. And then you have Maryland Heights, right. and in that area, there's um. A huge community that um, Hispanic live in that area. But the, the church, uh, Bethany, is uh, located on Overland, in Overland, Missouri. I couldn't remember that. So, yeah, um, uh, the, the the goal or the mission right now is to make uh, Bethany the, the the prayer house. You know, the the, the fort. You know, the right the weekend weekend. We can um, uh, make that our uh, house of prayer, right? Or the, for the beginning of ministry and becoming members of that church, it's a big it's a big impact for uh, testimony to our people that uh, we're not just the lonely ranger or trying to reinvent the wheel, going about the ministry for a business reason or to make a living. Uh, we know it's a calling, and. Uh, it's it again. It's a privilege, but also it's a responsibility to be part of a church. That I call them. A, I don't like the church to be a group for people. They call them bench warmers. <laughs> I really want to be a church. That, church that is active. A church that it. And that's how I am. I I don't consider just going to sit down every Sunday and spectator. You know, I I, I know it, I know it's important attendance. I know it's important to be there. But also, we have given, uh, received a wonderful faith and uh, and gifts and talents to utilize for the kingdom. So, uh, in that matter, I, I, I'm very jealous of being active. Every time I hear the message, I want to, to repeat that message to somebody who needs it. And it started with me. Uh, I, I like to listen to, to sermons and preachings or, and evangelistic outreach. Because that feeds me, that makes me remind, that reminds me of, that's like adrenaline goes on and say, people need this message. Uh, there's a lot of people hurting. And so that's what the reasons that we believe church is, is important, is very essential for anybody who's a believer. But also it should be not just a place that you go sit down, but it's a place to grow and develop and multiply. And I mean, I mean, the Great Commission is not an option. <laughs> so, so tell yeah. us uh, about your vision of reaching men of peace, and your 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 hope about uh, how the the man of the home. T tell us about that. Yeah, I believe, and uh, I've I have a lot of friends that are pastors, and uh, there's nothing against any of my friends, and 
one of the biggest struggles that they share with me and I, I experience is we get too busy with ministry that we forget to treat our wives the way God wants us to treat the wife, my wife. So I'm, I'm praying that God will lead us to men of peace that will take the leadership of their house to become a, a house of worship, not only to go to church and have a, a worship time, but to have house ministry. I mean, to have a real, real man leading his wife, treating his wife the way Christ wants us to treat each other. And that's a big, a big difference because, I mean, that, like I said, that was the biggest uh, failures as a ministry. You can be famous, you can have a lot of people coming to listen to your messages, but the way you treat your wife, it's, it's a huge impact. It makes a huge difference in your prayers, first of all, and, and how your wife respects you as a leader. It's, it's very important, because otherwise you just become like a fake um, I don't know how to describe it. Uh, unfruitful, unfruitful ministry. And I love, I love my wife and I love my children. But uh, I know I need to love the Lord more to love them more. And I mean, it's it's a balance between loving my wife and loving my family to the point that I want to be the leader in the house, you know. And that's a huge responsibility because right now we have an image. The image of a man is a man who is always you know, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know how to describe it in English, <laughs> well, but it's like uh, the man is a joke of the family, like, he's right. not important, like, right. he's just always drunk, there's always drunk, his job is to bring food to the table, and the mom is the one who leads everything, all the responsibilities, and I believe that's not biblical, that's not scriptural, and I believe that's, that's the vision, we reach men that wants to be the leader that have understand the role that God has for for him as a, as a pastor of his wife, as a pastor of his children, and then from there bring a, 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 their family together to worship. And uh, if, if they can bring neighbors and they can bring relative, close relatives, I mean, that will be another church, you know, that will be a church, that will be a privilege. And then we can gather together for worship, corporate worship once a week or once a month, depending on how far they live from the the worship place. But, um, I mean, every house should be a church. Amen. Every man should be the pastor of his family. And each one of the children are worshipers. You know, God wants them to be, wants, says he, uh, we must worship in spirit and truth. So I believe the children bring worship alive to our family and uh, that's the biggest temptation to let them watch tv the whole day and forget about teaching them about christ and then we want the church to teach them only one one hour an hour and a half on sunday and so uh, i've been doing with my wife uh, since over a year ago we started doing devotionals with our children every night before going to bed we we sing songs and then we we read a scripture we read one verse of the Bible, and uh, then we pray. Each, each one of the kids pray, and then my wife and I pray. And just to model, to model what is that we are expecting that God wants us to do in this area, uh, wherever He leads us. So it's a huge, it's a, it's a very challenging, it's a very challenging activity as a family. Uh, it's a spiritual activity, so 
and that's why we think prayer is very important for for, for us at this time and for uh, I'm, I'm really just overwhelmed with the support that i've been receiving since i met uh, brother elvis through the national office and each one of you especially brother ben and and it was really happy to see your son the other day and, uh, benjamin yep yeah so so I, I just look forward to how cool is it though to have you know basically your boss in the national work named elvis elvis garcia isn't that cool i mean very few of us get to have a boss named elvis uh, but anyway, so Brother Juan, <laughs> we, we've only got a few more minutes for this segment, but I wanted to, um, and, and thank you. I know that you're having uh, your Bible time with your kids here in just a few minutes, and we don't want to impede upon that. But um, I want to give my panel here an opportunity if they had a question for you. You guys got a question? Yeah, a couple of things. Uh, how, how big is the Hispanic community in the Overland area? Um, we don't have any, I don't have any, like, uh, specific data. I've tried to, to, to find it on the, you know, the, the uh, official, official sites. Um, uh, there's a huge community that is not registered for some reason. Uh, I don't know the reason I can't tell you what will be, but I really don't have an official number, but what I did is I investigated in one of the pages. Uh, I belong, I participate like in four pages of Hispanic in Missouri or St. Louis. And I just throw that random question about Hispanics, you know, and a lady that was working with the, with one of the agencies, the government agencies says, said that it was around 80,000, 80,000 Hispanic in that area between Overland and Maryland Heights and but it's not official. That's what the issue was. There was not official number. I just need to find out by going to visit them, uh, house to house, door to door, uh, contacts with other people. That's what our prayer is right now, that God will lead us to those men of peace that will connect us with the community because I, I don't know anybody in Overland. And that's the biggest challenge, the biggest step of faith. That uh, the logistically is the, the best place to start because um, that's what we heard is more populated for Hispanic. Yeah. And uh, so I'm okay. sorry, I don't have an official no, number. No, that, you're, just you're curious. Good. Yeah. You're good. Brother Tom. Hey, Juan, this is Tom. Can you hear me? Hi, Tom. Hey, uh, I might be generalizing and painting with a broad brush, but it's because of my uneducation on the topic. When I think of like Mexico and Hispanic people, uh, it's associated with like Catholicism at first, do you run into any issues or roadblocks with the minority Hispanic population preaching basically a Baptist message? I know Jesus overcomes all stereotypes of a religion's name, but is that a, a bond you have to break with them? Or are they open to listening to you? Well, that's a very good, uh, very good uh, investigation that we have to make. Uh, um, generally, what I've been doing, I've been finding a lot of um, the, the most challenging doctrine that I've been personally struggle struggle with evangelizing are the Pentecostals. Uh, the Catholics are, are away from home. They're not trying to have any relationship with their church because they relate to Mexico like poverty. Mm. So they don't really... And they're here because 
they want to send money to their um, families over there. But at the same time, they find a freedom from their religion, the Catholic religion. And well, at least the people that I've talked to, they they really don't practice their faith like they should. Because, you know, they have to go to church every day for a mass, confessions and all that stuff. And and they find I found more the Catholics in this in the area that I've been visiting, especially in this area in Fairmont that I spent several months. The pe- people that go there are open for new friends, people who will uh, give them a different message of hope and help them to achieve a better life. And they associate Catholicism with a failure. And that's, I've talked to several of them, and that's what I get as a summary from their answers. I say, well, how come you don't go to your church? Oh, every time I go, I just feel bad because I haven't sent money to my family. I feel bad because I don't go every often. I don't have time to go. And there's a lot of challenges that uh, they face being in this country because their parents go to church in, in, in Mexico, but they don't follow the same faith. So it's it's a tough. It's a like you said. Uh, I it's a lot of education about the topic. I I I say every case is specific, and we're gonna find out as we talk to to new friends and just learn where they are in their faith because they respect and they really want to learn other faiths because they really see the difference. But it's not like Mexico. Mexico, you find Catholics going to church every day. It's like very, very devoted. But once they move here, they feel freedom. You know, they feel like, I don't have to go to church. Wow. Sounds well, like a lot of badness. Yeah. We, well, we get grief for three days. Three yeah, services a week. Yeah, I, well, I appreciate that answer. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I know that that must pose some challenges. But it sounds like you got a wonderful window to uh, just give them some peace in Christ just through the discussions you have. So good job. That's been good listening to you. Yes, if there's, if there's needs, is there a need that you can, you can put uh, words to, Juan, for, for the ministry there? Uh, right now we're just asking for, uh, for prayer for the next. We're in the day 17 today of 40. And one of the prayers that we have is we already have a, a church to call home. We are, we are pondering right now uh, whether we, we're going to move to St. Louis, to the area, and how close we're going to be to the church building. We're looking for a, a house. If we can uh, uh, purchase a house, uh, we would like to be, again, it will be a house of outreach. You know, we would like to have our privacy, but also a house that could be in the community that we can that we can reach out to our neighbors not only like religious people, but in real life, you know, like people know who we are and we can develop also our home ministry that our church will be uh, in our house too. Like in this area where we live right now, we have a lot of people who are not Spanish speaking. And it's, it's very different when you live in the area where you have uh, Hispanic around you because that's what makes your neighborhood uh, more, uh, how to say, approachable. So, the biggest prayer that we have is that we can find a house where the Lord wants us to to raise our ministry and a way of being a neighbor, a good neighbor. Amen. Very good, brother Juan. We're going to have to let you go, but uh, thank you, thank you for doing this. Uh, I know everyone here has richly enjoyed it, and this will go out. 
uh, I'll get the word out to the associations that they can listen to this uh, on our BethelLondale.com page. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, each one of you. Hopefully one day we get to meet in person, besides yeah. Brother Ben. <laughs> yeah, amen. We will absolutely have you come and fill the pulpit here. Uh, they, they're longing for some good preaching. <laughs> amen. All right, Praise brother. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah. See you on. Good talking to you. Good All right, that was cool. I, that would be such a challenge. I mean, just to have grown up in Mexico, and I just think the cultural differences of moving um, to St. Louis anyway in the area he was talking about isn't exactly where you just stroll down the right. sidewalks. Um, well, and, and what a unique situation he's in, because there's a stigma. I know a couple men, quote, unquote, that are illegal, you know, and we're conditioned in this country that, you know, it's like Jesus doesn't have borders. Now, countries have laws, but, right. you know, you got to, you got to, he's bringing the message of Christ. Right. So he's on two sides of the street there that he's just marching in, and it's amazing. So it's nice to see somebody with their eye on the prize. Right. Like the main goal yes, is to reach is. people for Christ. Right. And, and let me tell you, because, you know, uh, we, we are bound by Scripture to obey the laws of the land, but we're bound by the greater commission to reach all, be all things to all people that yes. we might by all means save some. And so as a committee, we just asked him, what's your approach on that? And we, and we legitimately were okay to hear whatever he said. Right. And he said, gentlemen, I'm a citizen. I have got my citizenship. I'm here legally. And I have every intention of lovingly pursuing the people that God takes me to to have them do the same thing if they're going to stay here. Okay. But I'm not going to ask a person for his green card before we win him to Christ, yeah, you know, type yeah. thing. Drop hey. Bibles, not bombs. Yeah, that's you right. Know. That's right. And, and so I feel like that that's about as, you know, dead on as you can be doing both. You're, you're making the Great Commission just that, the Great Commission, but then you're still trying to obey the laws of the land, uh, but, but not running people off, you know, uh, through it. And... Um, Brother Elvis Garcia, the guy that is in charge of our Hispanic ministries throughout the, the nation, he said that it is extremely difficult to build a ministry on the transient population of Hispanics. You got to try to win them. But he says, we're looking for people, Hispanics, that are buying homes. Right. If they're buying homes, they're setting down roots. They're going to raise their kids here, things of that nature. And most likely they're citizens at that point. And it changes the culture. Well, you know, sure it it, you yeah. invade that culture with Christ. Yeah. It changes yeah. all things. I, I, I could not be more excited about Brother Juan and his wife and the two children. I, they're just 80, adorable. 80,000 people. That 80, is a huge Hispanics. amount. That's, that's a huge, huge amount. That, that's the size of Franklin County, basically. Yeah. Uh, so, amen. Uh, good stuff. Thank you guys uh, for that. All right, so moving on, topic two. This will be a little bit faster, but um, it's hard to not talk about this the first week of the year. Uh, we're going to do it with a little different approach. Uh, but New Year's resolutions, do they work? Do they not work? You have two minutes to make your case on New Year's resolutions. Tom. Oh, am I starting? Yeah, oh, do they work? so tough. I got to make everything spiritual because it's a spiritual radio podcast. It just depends. I think they 100% <laughs> should be for fun. That's it, 100%, because this is why I wrote that down. Do they really work? I put the question is, why are we so terrible and have uh, we have to hit reset buttons so often? 
It's because the way the flesh is weak. Yeah, that's it. But I've learned to live just in the moment. I really have. Um, you know, I'm 20 pounds heavier than I want to be, but who cares? You know, I, I say 80% of the people. <laughs> Donuts are great. Yeah, 80, so you're 55. 80% of the people in the Titanic <laughs> turned down dessert the night it sank. You know, I would much rather <laughs> have had a belly full of cake, you know. So that's, that's one of the things. Um, that's pretty good. I like that. It, that's, that's a true quote. I might start using that. Well, the thing is, it all boils down to is your New Year's resolution a matter of sin? And, and this is what it is. And I think some people use it as that. And I said, because forgiveness of sins is a now decision right now. Uh, you shouldn't struggle with anything and, and put a time stamp on it. Um, basically, uh, it hit me for James 4-7. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and does not do it, for them, it's a sin. And so that's why I said it has to be for fun. Because other than that, it's probably for vanity, and that's also a sin. You know, God loves you if you're 20 pounds overweight and wear a Blackhawks jersey to a Baptist church. You know? uh, people can't yeah. see that. Yeah. A Baptist church in Missouri that is support. Yeah, At least Lewis. it's not a Hulkamania shirt. Yeah. Well, Again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but so, and, and that was the thing. So, and the Bible does give a dire warning to that. And it was Hebrews 10, 26, 31. Um, and I can read it quick. Somebody must not. No, I think they're no, still reacting like to the Blackhawks. No, your picture's on the screen. Oh, oh yeah, there it is, brother. That's awesome. That's my man. I'm going to meet him. Uh, so uh, this, and this is why it has to be just for fun. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and raging fire, which we know is Jesus, that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without the mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Anyone who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified them and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay again. The Lord, I will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And that is where I'm coming at, if we deliberately keep on sinning. So if your New Year's resolution is, I need to quit drinking, don't do it after you finish that 12-pack of beer, or I've got to quit eating, and you're pounding everything in the night before, that, that's a sin to you. Deal with that now. So have fun with it, New Year's resolutions, but they always failed me, and that's why I live in the moment. All right, well, I have a few minutes before I have to go down, so this will be mine, but I am on the fence that New Year's resolutions do not work because... It's just a resolution, and there's not really a plan, or there's not like a, a clear goal. So when somebody says like, oh, this is the year I'm going to get in shape, and then your schedule doesn't change, you have been given a new calendar year, but you've not been given any more time or energy or money. You've got what you had the day before when it was on the 31st. So I don't really think they work because, the you know, Monday morning rolls around, and like, lo and behold, I worked all day and I came home just as tired as I did the week before when it was 2020 and I still don't have you know the time and money and energy to invest in it like I thought I was um, so they really don't work and I always feel like when I've had success in anything I mean it was just a Tuesday in February or something like it was just a time when I finally had had enough of having enough and I'm just going to create a plan um, so it's not really a resolution for the new year, it's more like I've got to make a life change and I've had an actual specific goal and a specific plan of how to achieve it. And I've carved out the time and the how and the where and the when and, you know, really sat down and dissected this thing. And then it tends to work. 
but just to say I'm going to do it and just think that January 1, it's going to magically just fall together this time, uh, I am against that. I don't, I don't really think that works. So that's my piece. Very good. Gavin? So, so as New Year's re resolutions go, they don't work for me. I, I've tried years in the past and gotten a few months in and just lost the discipline, lost the uh, time to think about it. But my, I, I, still, I still think self-evaluation is great, but you need to do it more often than once a year. Hey. We're going to talk about that in the next section here. Um, but it's usually, for me, it's a painful uh, experience or a failure that starts this process of self-evaluation. And I've shared with you guys before, I'm really trying to recover faster. So whenever I've made a mistake or when I've done something wrong or I've, you know, offended someone or done some harm to someone to get it right immediately. Don't, don't, don't uh, try to hide it. Don't try to hem-haw. Try, try to deny it. Get it out in the open as quickly as you can. Get it dealt with as quickly as you can and move on. I just feel like that it's a much freer way of life. It's, you sleep better at night. You, um, so that, that getting into that discipline of working on quick recoveries, uh, I think is, to me, is taking the place of a New Year's resolution because the having a day on the on the calendar that's when I do self evaluations, I, I just doesn't work for me. Gotcha. So uh, what you're referring to there is a cathartic moment. <laughs> you know, you, you've had a pain. You know, they call that a cathartic moment where where you and, and you know your book about that the, the purpose and pain the message of pain. Uh, inappropriate responses to pain bring inappropriate results or, or more pain. And appropriate res, uh, response to pain brings healing. Uh, and certainly when, when you something painful happens as a result of uh, indiscretions or uh, lack of discipline, then that gives you what you need, the motivation to, to change things so that you don't get that pain anymore. Um, I, I, you know, we, we are on the World Wide Web, so... I'm not going to uh, get into great detail here, but uh, the church knows uh, about uh, a, a need within my family. Uh, and, and that's all I'm going to say about it, other than that need has come to an absolute point this week. And uh, that person involved has had their cathartic moment. And we need to pray that, that oh my goodness. It sticks. That's exactly right. So uh, here, here yeah. we go, my argument, because... All three of you are as wrong as you can be. <laughs> I've never heard or seen Bring you be it. more wrong. No, I'm messing with you. Uh, yes, they work. Yes, they work. But of course, sometimes only for a season. Okay? And we talked about this Sunday that the Bible says that the pleasures of sin last but for a season. And unfortunately, sometimes uh, that, that evaluation period and those decisions, as right as they are, and you said it. Why, why do we do that? Why do we make a decision and then three weeks later we quit? We're sinners. We're, we're sinners. That's why. It it because I am in complete agreement, quote unquote, that New Year's resolutions do not work, and the reasons that they don't work is because we're sinners, because we're human. But what does work is a commitment to recommit when you when you decommit, you know. And we talk about um, that a man or a woman after God's own heart does the right thing after they've done the wrong thing, and so I, for me. Uh, the, the New Year's resolution has to just become a way of life, you know, in, in the evaluation. Like a quarterly you, resolution. You bet. <laughs> you are weekly, Damn. in my case. Yeah, okay. We are 
daily. Amen. Uh, Dawn and I have started uh, our New Year's resolution. I, I'm diabetic, and I've got, again, I say 20. My doctor says 60 pounds to lose. Uh, and so we're, we're, we're trying to change things. And so we, we started officially on Monday morning. So, of course, last night would have been Tuesday evening, and I told her, I'm done with this already. <laughs> you know, of course, we laugh and joke, and praise God, I, I'm still on the wagon today. Uh, but I guarantee you, mid-month, end of the month, for sure mid-February, I'm going to have to recommit, or once again, I'm going to have not fulfilled what I need to do for the sake of my life. So, um, I think it's important, and, and I'm, I've got, I'm out of time, but, but let, let me... Uh, since I'm the pastor, pastor's I'm gonna, right. Uh, that's yeah, right. He's pulling his card. I yielded my time back. I think it's important to keep the elements that make a good goal in mind. Okay, and and literally, I heard this in college, and it's great. But you can Google it. What makes a good goal? Okay, here it is. Specific. You, if you're really going to stick with something, and Tara alluded to this. Uh, in fact, in my humble opinion, even though she was arguing against New Year's resolutions, and again, I agree with what you guys are saying in that respect, she also made a good argument for what a good resolution looks like. It's got to be specific. So what exactly do you want to accomplish? Well, Dawn and I, we know exactly what we want to accomplish. Measurable. Every day we're putting down what we eat, so on and so forth. We're keeping up with what we're, our exercise. We're measuring. Can you assess or measure your progress. Number three, achievable. It's got to be within reach. I, I, I'm, I'm not committing to losing 60 pounds. I am committing to uh, eating in such a way that I don't kill myself because of diabetes. So with that said, though, I think uh, Mr. Randy Rayfield, me and him, made an unachievable goal. When we replaced the roof on his house, I said, if I can lose 20 pounds today, I'm doing good. He said, if I can lose 60, I'm doing good. So, so <laughs> today, uh, yeah, uh, that, that, day, day. that day we worked on the roof. We were going to walk yeah, off there yeah, and That's shave. not achievable. No, no. Um, uh, fourthly, uh, relevant. Is it relevant toward your life's purpose? And then timely. Is there a deadline for completion? Um, and so... It's extremely important that if you're going to set a goal, uh, and I also like, uh, well, in fact, we're going to get into this here in just a moment, the value of a good question. Uh, so I'll save that. Anything else you guys want to say about uh, New Year's resolutions? Uh, Brother Larry texted in. I'm going to look it up. Go ahead. Yeah, you you nailed it, too. Um, and that's what I meant by not just once a year. You know, it's like, and, and when you said relevant for life's purposes, that's what I mean also by, like, if it's a matter of sin, you God doesn't operate in time. He doesn't care if it's December 31st or January 1st. Deal with it now. Right. You know, and that's where, um, yeah, and the Bible tells us to take every thought captive. Right. Not once a year. So, yeah. So, uh, Brother Larry says to make a good habit, it takes 14 days of doing it, but to break the habit only takes one day. There, there's a lot of truth there. Mm -hmm. uh, all right. So, uh, topic number three, uh, and we've got uh, 16 minutes. The value of a good question. This particular topic has a lot of interest for me uh, because, again, I've had goal setting shoved down my throat for the better part of my life, and, and I, I think it's good. It's good to set goals and the such, but the fellow that, and I can't even remember his name now, but he is one of these guys that, uh, it'll come to me, he consults, and he goes to places like Focus on the Family, um, you know, think of any other... Uh, Dave Ramsey, 
And he, he gets paid big money on a Christian level. Gets paid big money to sit down and tell these guys what he thinks that they ought to start doing. And, of course, what, what he does more than just him tell them, he tries to give them the tools that they need to figure it out themselves, you know, to evaluate themselves and things of that nature. So his approach, he has been collecting questions for years. And he has a couple hundred questions that he gives these companies that he goes to to try to help them evaluate what's going on. And this is what he says. You know, if you're a goal setter, hallelujah. What we've already talked about, that's all you need. Make it specific, make it measurable, make it achievable, make it relevant, make it timely. Go for it if you're a goal setter. If you're not a goal setter, you're probably a problem solver. And if you're a problem solver, goals frustrate you. And if I had 15 hands, I would raise all 15 hands. Goals frustrate me put a problem in front of me, I go for it like crazy. And with problems come questions. Questions on, well, what is the problem? And you've heard me say this before. Uh, a problem well stated is a problem half solved. So I just want to hear from you guys if you've c come across some good questions to help you in evaluation. And then I'll, of course, talk more after you guys have shared. So uh, mine was just telescope off my, my previous answer. When you're trying to recover quicker from a failure, if you don't ask the right questions, you're not going to get the right answers. If you don't be honest with yourself mm. in the question, you're not going to get the right answer or get recover. Right. And recovery is not just for your own sake. It's for the people around you as well. I mean, David recovering from his failures was as much for his family and the nation as it was for himself personally. So the people around you are affected and devastated sometimes with, with failures. And your recovery, the way you recover, it affects not just your own um, life story and your trajectory of your life. It affects the trajectory of your children's lives mm -hmm. as well, and your heritage is in, impacted by that. So the value of a good question could go in so many different ways because you can start the, the self-evaluation when you have a failure and start trying to get to the bottom of why, why do I keep doing this? That's the question I need to ask myself more often because it's the things that I constantly find myself uh, regretting on the same topic or in the same area. Uh, why, why do I keep failing here? Why do I keep failing here? But there's also things that you should ask yourself, how come I'm successful here? How come this, how come this event was su successful and the other ones weren't? Um, those are questions you need to ask too. And ask questions about, um, not, not just questions that would reveal character flaws, but questions that would reveal character strengths. So, so you're not completely bailing on yourself or downing yourself in this evaluative process, because you need to realize that there are some strengths for you. you, you everybody has strengths. Um, and discovering those strengths and working from those strengths, adding to them is the, the way forward for improvement and self-improvement. Amen. Um, and, and if you don't, uh, a lot of times these areas of self-questioning uh, apply directly to the goals that you have set for yourself. Amen. Brother Tom? Uh, yeah. Um, one of the things was, and I think uh, spiritual immaturity is, in the beginning, you have to be very careful when you self-evaluate. 
um, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Yeah. Because if I'm going to self-evaluate about something I'm struggling with, I'm probably the worst person to ask. You bet. You know, because I'm going to tell myself all the answers I want. It's going to be jaded on the issue. Sure. So that one of my things was have somebody, have a confidant, have a mentor, a trusted friend in Christ. You bet. You know, um, it, it's brutal honesty is wonderful. Some of our conversations, you've said things that I've known for 20 years, but until another man in Christ told me that, it, I didn't hear it. You know, Steve Reed, I'll say, am I wrong? Am I right? And I'm prepared for the answer. So um, some of the things, uh, so that, that's where I approach that. Um, one of my personal um, struggles is relationships. And, uh, you know, I, I go in on all with people, all in. You know, I want to love them, want to be their friends. And sometimes when people disagree, that's part of my reclusiveness because I don't want to destroy that image or that, that friendship that I had with them. And because, uh, you know, other than, you know, it, it seems counterproductive, but when I leave the church, it's usually lights off, gate closed, you know, in the nays compound. And I know th <laughs> th that could be a sin. But I've had um, good friends that relationships have fallen apart. And my self-evaluation question when it starts hitting that now with some more Christian maturity, not even close, but is it me? Mm. And I look at it, I'm like, well, that guy's best friends with him. And I don't get along with him, but I'm best friends with that guy. So it's got to be me, you know, and just hours upon hours. And, you know, possibly sometimes to a sinful nature, just beating myself up as it's something I'm doing. And uh, just and that's where I, it's a, one of my life verses is Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility considers other better than yourselves. And that's where I've kind of got the answer from. Is it me? It doesn't matter if it's me. You know, if I approach them, if I apologize for something I didn't think I did, it's, so it's released me from those, you know, situations, and, and it always comes to fruition. It, every time I do it biblically, it makes full circle and comes back. Amen. And uh, so, yeah, I think self-evaluation, you have to have it for spiritual growth. Can I throw something in here just for self-evaluation? And just just occurred to me, I've told this to my son and to some of the young men in the church. You should have in your mind a standard for the man that you want to be um, or the woman that you want to be. You should have a standard of somewhat, some um, what you want to become, what you want to achieve, the person you want to be. And we can all say Jesus, and I, I, I would say that 100%, but Jesus in 2021. So you want to be the man uh, that represents the character of Christ. Mm -hmm. How does that look in 2021? So, so if you're doing self-evaluation and you don't have a standard or a default by which you're measuring yourself, and that, of course, is Jesus, um, but you want to be Jesus in 2021, um, you, you're, it, that will add a lot to your self-evaluation. That will add a lot of uh, depth to your self-evaluation. If you don't have a vision of who you want to be, um, it's going to be tough to, to ever get there. Well, that's it. If you don't have a vision, you're walking in the darkness. Right. You don't know what you're looking for it all or what you're going to find when you do you keep find beating it. yourself up about who who you your mess ups right. and, you do, and you don't compare yourself to oh yeah i've got that i'm i'm doing okay there doing yeah and that, that oh what a great one that so was so th this was tara's earlier Amen. today uh in it so for those in uh internet land you've got what is that guy called he's it's from scooby-doo Scooby -Doo. Scooby -Doo. Yeah. and it's the blonde haired guy uh he so he him and uh, thelma are the two main solvers and so he's got the villain there and he says now it's time to see who's been uh, sabotaging my walk with christ and he pulls the hood off and it's him 
And if it wasn't for my pesky self, I would have got away with it. <laughs> That's, That's, right. Right. That's I, right. I got one uh, just a couple days ago, um, and it was uh, from The Last Man Standing. Uh, Craig Licklider sent this to me. And it says, care more about who you might inspire because I think you should worry less about who you might offend. There you go. And I was like, you know, that, that is a great thing, you know. Amen. Well, so uh, kind of in, in closing here, I, I would encourage you, Again, if you're a goal setter, do it. Set your goals, go for it. If those frustrate you, look at problem solving. Look at collecting questions. Look at uh, growing. And, and I couldn't agree more uh, with Tom from the standpoint of we're not telling you to sit down with yourself and try to imagine who you ought to be. And we're asking you to sit down with yeah. the Holy Spirit and God's Word. Yeah. And humbly say, Tom, let's see where you suck so bad. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. Uh, I don't want to do and, that. And, and humbly say, Lord, I, I can't do this without you. I'm begging you to help me. Give me some qualifying questions to help me get on the road. I, and I know, again, I know that most folks just assume that the preacher and the wife, they just get along wonderfully, and it's always, you know, chocolates and roses, all right? The reality is, is that Don it and I... It would be better if it was chocolates and roses. If we had neighbors, we'd probably have the police called every so often. I was going to so say, often. those shades are pulled quite you a bit. You better believe it. <laughs> so with that said, uh, easily 12 years ago, we had had a, a horrible day, and her and the kids... Uh, you know, did something. They went to go grocery shop or something. I, I had about an hour by myself, and I was totally frustrated with myself. I was totally frustrated with my failures and the such. And uh, Charles Swindoll, in his book uh, on, on seasons, I can't remember the exact name of the book, but he had a chapter on questions. And oh my goodness, questions like, what do you want your legacy to be? You know, uh, one of them was, uh, what are you training your children right now that you know will impact them for Christ 20 years later? But, you know, things like that. And, oh, my, I can still, I can take you to the file in my office where those questions are answered by me. And that changed the trajectory uh, of my life, at least at that time. And, and it helped me get out of a hole that I was in of selfish uh, whole of just it being about me and so i can tell you this really does work one person put it this way the unevaluated life is not a life worth living and so it's extremely important that we and it really is a daily quiet time thing you know lord how am i doing i would encourage you guys that are married uh, no matter the direction whether it's the wife to the husband or the husband to the wife on occasion ask how am i doing how am i doing what can i do to improve now, you've got to be ready to hear the, the answers, and depending on your situation, you may have to reassure them that you're not going to blow up on them when they tell you the truth, you know, whatever the case may be. But uh, evaluation questions, in my humble opinion, are, are very useful. Well, and it was Peter, I believe, that asked Jesus what was the greatest commandment. Right. And in uh, Matthew twenty two thirty seven, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That was actually one of the lawyers. Oh, oh yes, yeah, you're right. This is the first and greatest commandment, and then, but the, and then, and the second is like it: love your neighbor as yourself. So, like when you said, when we're self-evaluating, we might not be loving where we're at, and that's the when when I would have those troubles with my family, and that it's because I was not loving myself. Right. And if you don't love yourself, you're not going to be able to love others. 
and uh, it's just as simple. So it's a terribly important to self evaluate. You have a terrible, terribly high standard for yourself. You're probably going to have a terribly high standard for your love, your family. Right. Un 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 unattainable standard. Mm -hmm. So what will, in my humble opinion, what this is leading into? Um, I've got a book that's called Telling Yourself the Truth. Never read it. <laughs> Never read it. <laughs> Too painful. I've given that book to I don't know how many people. The title alone has helped me. And, and I, uh, I have read pieces of it. I've read enough of it to know that my self-talk is dangerous. Yeah. My self-talk is unhealthy if I'm not careful. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, what you two guys are saying right now is, is just that. Make sure that the Holy Spirit is guiding your self-talk. You look at Ephesians chapter 1, and, you know, he tells us that we are beloved, that we have been chosen, uh, that we have been, uh, that we stand in the, if you will, the sunshine of the beloved. Uh, and so we are amazing children of God. Well, we don't talk to ourselves like that. No. You know, and, and so if we're not careful, just like you're saying, you got to love yourself. And then once you love yourself, God says, okay, now love me and love others. Absolutely, because the complete opposite. Add your struggle, the devil says, you deserve it. If right. it's time alone or if right. it's that car or if it's that drink or what, he's going to tell you what you want to hear. Right. So that's, yeah, very dangerous. Or, Amen. Or agree completely with you on your complete diss of yourself. Oh, oh that's it. it. Oh, yeah. you, oh, you're right. Oh, you're, you're so right about that. Well, and guys, I mean, look what's happening with suicide rates. Mm -hmm. They're, they're skyrocketing. Why? Because the devil is agreeing with these people that have this yeah. horrible self-talk, and he's just saying, just take, you know. You're, you're right. right. There is no well Take the it. exit. You're yeah. never yeah, going to get Take the ramp. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. I love you. Uh, I think it's probably needless to say, but we're going to say it. We need to pray for our nation. Amen. We Amen. need to pray for our nation. The young woman that was killed tonight, killed no matter the circumstances. No her matter the circumstances. Her and her family, you bet. Uh, boy, do we need revival. Let, let's yeah. end tonight with, with prayer. Amen. Lord, I love you. I, I thank you, first of all, for uh, every person uh, under the sound of my voice and throughout uh, the church and the people that listen to this podcast. Lord, we need you. We are lost and hopeless without you. We're begging for you to save America. We're begging for you to start a revival in each of our hearts that will go throughout this great nation. And Father, I pray that you will calm the situation tonight. I don't have a clue as to know who's right and who's wrong. I, I know you're right. And I pray that you'll help us to stay close to you. Guide us through this situation. Help us to know where to act and when not to. And I pray that you would protect us, Father, from the voices that would incite and lead us to the wrong path, whatever that might be. And I pray, Jesus, for your peace. And I pray for, again, for revival. In Jesus' precious and holy name we ask it.